Welcome to the Gateworld podcast. This is episode number 127 of the Gateworld podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm David. And this is a show where two nerds talk about Stargate. That's been a long road, but we're finally here. It's the last episode of Stargate Universe. Gauntlet is our main discussion topic this week. Can you believe that we made it? Um, what I... Yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it. What I can't believe is that... Um, since I was 12 years old, there is not something of Stargate currently in production, be it pre or post or actively production. Um, that's, I mean, that's insane. I'm 27 now, so it's just really, really bizarre. Yeah, and those of us who are also Star Trek fans, it's been, it's been pointed out to me that this is the first time since 1987 that there has been no Star Trek or Stargate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was four. <laughs> yeah, so. I was 11. There you go. It's uh, sad. Um, but, you know, all good things. Yeah, and I'm convinced that Stargate's coming back at some point, um, for sure. And Gateworld's going to go on. The podcast is going to go on. We have lots to talk about. Uh, even though this is the last episode of SGU... Um, we have the podcast basically planned out for the summer, at least. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, we got something good going here. This ain't going to quit. We'll do sort of a wrap-up of, of SGU Season 2, then we'll do a wrap-up of the whole series, and then uh, we'll do uh, some other topics that we've got cooking. We'll have Diane back, hopefully, to talk more science. We'll have Diana back. People who are worried about... about Gateworld going away and the podcast going away. Hey, don't worry. We're still having a good time. Mm, we're not going anywhere. It's all good. But Gauntlet, we still have one more to cover. Yes, and this is going to be a huge show. There's uh, lots of voicemail, as expected. People want to weigh in on, uh, especially on the conclusion, on those last moments of Gauntlet. Um, it's it's uh, going to be interesting. going to be fun, fun things to talk about, fun things to speculate on what could happen next, what could have happened had the show gone on in some form from this this cliffhanger it is a cliffhanger but uh, it's not it's not sort of the cliffhanger that i expected really yeah we'll, we'll get to that the main discussion so gauntlet is episode 20 of season two of stargate universe uh and this is the end of the road it was not meant to be the end of the road of course of course uh, not the show filmed up until november of 2010 uh, and then went into post-production and the cast and crew found out in December that they were not going to come back for a third season. Uh, so they wrote this as um, uh, the way that the, the producers have described it since is, you know, they saw the ratings, they saw that the, the things were not looking terribly good. They knew that, that this might be the last one for Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, and so they gave us this this sort of touching ending that is, is, I think, sort of fitting for, for a finale, even though it leaves the plot uh, unresolved and yeah. the story untold. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got some emotional um, satisfaction. The episode has some closure. 
Yeah, it was written to be a season finale, and so there are uh, definitely huge what-ifs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no to-be-continued tag at the end of the episode, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess they just didn't bother with it, you know, at that point. Because um, there, is, there is no continuation. That's it, you know. Eli rides off into the sunset. <laughs> it's worth watching, though, don't you think? There's, yes. There have been a lot it... of... A lot of Stargate viewers, when they found out that the show was canceled in December, uh, when there was ten episodes that were unaired, they either said, ah, "I'm not going to bother," yeah, they I'm unplugged, not pay off that story, or they'll say, ah, "I'll get around to it someday." Mm-hmm. And I think these last ten, and and even the finale, even though it doesn't conclude the story, these are these are ten of of SGU's best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The stakes were really upped in this one. There were there was a lot of character exploration. There were some amazing visual effects. I mean, right down right down to the score. There were there were some really good elements out of uh, this back ten. I I would have to say that they're probably the most memorable of the series, in my opinion. Mm. Um, considering there were only four chunks to work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, next week we're talking about uh, season two uh, as a whole, so we can we can revisit that. This week, we start out with uh, command ships, and their drones are still a big, pesky threat. But we have a new advantage in that we have figured out how to track the command ships. Uh, Russian Eli said that they've, they've detected the subspace signals that the command ships use to communicate with each other. Uh, so we plug that into our long-range sensors, and we look down the corridor ahead of us that the seed ships have laid out. They've planted all these stargates. They've plotted out Destiny's path. And we see that there are blinky red command ships at, at every, every star- single stargate through the corridor Presumably of the galaxy. Between, between here and the edge of the galaxy. I think the, probably one of the bigger shockers of this episode is that we're a third of the way through the galaxy. Right. They're not going to make it. They wouldn't make that. Um, we didn't know really how far along into the galaxy we were. I was expecting us to be, you know, coming near the edge of this one. Um, but what it sounds like is, in the first season, they were to the edge of the last galaxy. And in the second season here, they're just, you know, they're just now they're just now getting into it. So yeah. it's, um, it's uh, that, that was an, an interesting uh, piece of information that, un- that unfolds. And it, it plays out through the rest of the episode, you know. What are we going to do about this? Because we can't survive. They're, they're going to get us at some point along the way. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were guessing that it was maybe going to be about one season per galaxy. Uh, which mm-hmm. seems to be that they, they would have stuck with that if the show had come back. Because we end up skipping about two-thirds of this galaxy. Well, that's the plan yeah. at least. That's the plan. Uh, these drones are everywhere, though. Um, they're... Uh, as far as we know, they they fill this whole galaxy. Uh, whoever built them was at war with the Ursini at one point, apparently, or maybe they were at war with somebody else that they destroyed, and, and eventually came after the Ursini. Sort of yeah, got caught up in the in the leftover programming. Yeah, uh, but they're not just in that one little sector. Remember back in Resurgence, the reason we encountered the drones the first time was because we went off the path mm-hmm. that Destiny was going down, following the seed ships. Um, Apparently, we would have run into them eventually anyway, because they're everywhere. And I don't mm. think it's just because we woke up one little group that they suddenly decided to spread out. Mm-hmm. No, no, this is a case where we got, we got on their radar when we went off the, off the path, and now they're, they're gunning for us. So, like, ooh, yeah. something and else they, to destroy. 
Well, last week in Blockade, they had figured out uh, that Destiny needs to recharge using stars, and it only uses certain kinds of stars to do it, so they blockaded the stars that Destiny recharges from. This week, what they've done is they've found stargates that were planted by the seed ships, mm-hmm. and now they're blockading stargates. So it's not, it's not the refueling thing that's as much of an issue here. It's, it's uh, resupplying. It's the fact that we need to stop and gate someplace and get mm-hmm. food and water every every few months. Even if we could recharge inside of uh, stars that are hotter than normal, we can't get the crew off the ships now, uh, off the ship now to um, to these to evacuate to these planets because the uh, the seed ships are guarding them. So. Right, right. So our plan from blockade last week is not going to work again. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is go back to Earth and talk about it. Um, <laughs> Telford shows up in this episode. I was I was glad to see him there. He doesn't have a whole lot to do other than sort of sit and listen to exposition. He has his send-off. He does. He's he's a part of the crew. He's a part of the SGU family. Um, he gets his send-off. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to bring up about, about Telford back on Earth was it looks like he's sitting in O'Neill's office. Did you get that impression? No, he has his own office. Um, his own office. You this think? is his own office. This was this was an office from a, a, an episode of a few episodes ago that was featured as well. Um, I can't. I, I would can't guess it's it. the same set. No, so, no, it's not. The, the oh, O'Neill's office was in the SGC. Was upstairs in the uh, the briefing room and General's office. They took down some of the yeah. walls and, and changed some things around. That set is no longer there. Oh, on that set, he was, right. he was shot on that set, which is why you don't see those Shining sets Mountain. in season two. Correct. Right. right. No, he I'm talking about set. his about his his homeworld command office. Yeah. I assume that they that they reused that for Telford. Did they redress it? Did they put up different ship models and and the Homeworld Command plane, office in season one was a redress of the SGC. Since the SGC is no longer there, they redesigned the Homeworld Command sets and didn't show O'Neill's office. Instead, they showed Telford's office. Okay, so where they shot Lou Diamond Phillips here, you're saying was a totally different set. A totally different set. Okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> Now, could it have been in the same soundstage? Yes, but it's a different set. I'm not sure. Okay. So now our first beat here is we are going to go for this uh, attempt to resupply. So we're going to gate someplace, try and find some berries. And what's our, what's our battle strategy with the command ships? We figured out that the... Uh... Uh, the shields are on this constant rotating modulation, so if they were ever attacked by the Borg, you know, they'd be okay. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the uh, the seed ships have a certain uh, modulating, uh, have a certain threshold. Their weapon fire takes up a certain bandwidth, and they decided to, the crew decides to retune the shields to protect only that bandwidth. And so since the Destiny automatically is constantly rotating. They have to go in and make it so that it ro- so that it sticks with that specific uh, uh, bandwidth of shields. The only problem is the uh, the seed ships figure this out pretty quickly, and instead of uh, shooting at us with you know, energy weapons, decide to shoot at us with uh, drones themselves. Start kamikazing into the ship, and there's no defense against that. The yeah. shields apparently just cannot protect that. Yeah, and I I sort of. I guess you take it that a modulating shield would prevent a physical object like that 
from crashing in, or at least reduce its impact. I don't know if if the shields only repel energy-based attacks or or um, not. I'm I never got the impression that it uh, could do anything but repel energy-based assaults. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean the the other option is that you know. Uh, the the module the, the threshold that they stuck the the shields to uh, didn't cover uh, kamikaze attacks, whereas another modulation might have. So we fine tune the shields to make them more efficient against the drones, um, and it works for a minute there. It, yeah, it works great, and we seem to really have their number. Uh, and then they start throwing everything they have at us. They start crashing into us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a great little beat. Where um, we're about to we're about to drop out of FTL into this system, and I think it's Lieutenant Scott asks who calculated the the FTL jump, uh, and Volker said Chloe did. It's it's pretty tricky. It's you know like hitting a dime with a bullet from a thousand yards, yards or a thousand or whatever, yards. yeah. And it's right on the money. Um, <laughs> a little too close. Right in front of the command ship and in fact it's too close because now our gun is not pointing at them um there's this awesome visual effect sequence where destiny actually scrapes, scrapes the bottom of itself. the command ship and you're sort of wondering is this going to screw up one of our ships <laughs> um, you know there's there's panels flying everywhere uh, but then we have to completely circle around and bring our gun back to bear mm-hmm. uh, so we're, we're going in with the element of surprise and and Chloe's calculation was too perfect, and we actually end up losing the element of surprise. <laughs> we wipe their butts, man. We 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 take them off the map. So uh, mm-hmm. the the shuttle is able to go out and procure a few supplies, uh, and get us back on the road. Yep, they said they didn't get much, but um, I kind of wonder how how often they do this. How often they do have to stop to get food. And, There's and no indicate. I don't know why they would have had to have done. Are you telling me that they're all out of the the uh, the food that they brought with them from from uh, from Novus? Yeah, they were pretty well stocked a couple yeah. of weeks. I can understand the the food that they got from the expedition planet would probably be gone by now because a lot of yeah. those folks ate that when they got aboard. Um, but you can't tell me that they're out of food again. I find that very yeah. hard to believe. I would guess that it's been a few weeks. Since maybe even since the last episode, and that's based on the fact that that we start out with Lisa in in the infirmary, uh, getting her bandages mm-hmm. taken off and her eyes checked out, and and TJ said that that really she should have have shown some progress by now. If she was going to get better, she should have had progress, which makes me think that it's maybe been a few weeks. Yeah, and uh, not to derail us too much, but it sounds like she's uh, probably permanently blind. Could be, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll find some alien technology down the road, or maybe we got canceled. We never will. <laughs> maybe we got canceled, and she'll be. Well, she's in stasis, so being blind uh, is the least of her worries right now. Yeah, um, but, but she's of course, the in one... stasis, she can't heal. So this is true. So there's the next crazy plan that's coming up, uh, which is okay. We got some supplies, but we basically uh, that took a lot of effort to go and. You know, blow up that ship, and we got the bottom of our hull scraped. And our plan to fine tune the shields didn't work out so well. We can't keep doing this. We can't keep doing this. Our plans are just not gonna not gonna get us another two thirds of the way across this galaxy. So Eli comes up with another crazy idea. Let's skip is, the galaxy. Skip the galaxy. It's actually not crazy. It's actually brilliant, and it's 
you know, in terms of let's use these stasis pods that we discovered four episodes ago, something that that fans have been talking about. Why didn't you mm-hmm. stick the Nobins in the stasis pods? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can stick the crew in the stasis pods and skip this galaxy. Uh, the only problem is, uh, on a good day, if we can make it across the void to the next Stargate on the the first Stargate on the the next galaxy, uh, it's going to take us three years. Mm-hmm. And if yep. we don't quite have enough power, and Destiny can't quite make it across the void, she's going to shut down and she's going to drift, and it's going to take. A thousand years to get there. Normal ship operations apparently take up a lot of uh, a lot of juice. So the idea is, once we put everyone in stasis, you know, we'll have just enough energy to to cross that expanse. But you know, there's not a lot of room for error. So we start poking around the stasis pods, and everybody starts to think about, well, let's let's take one more trip home with the communication stones and and say goodbye, make sure that they know that it's going to be at least three years before they mm-hmm. hear from us again. And uh, poor Young is trying to take a nap. Meanwhile, he keeps going <laughs> back to he keeps going back to his quarters, trying to lay down, and he's this running thread through the entire episode. The man cannot get some rest. Yeah, Rush radios him, and then he finally makes it to his his quarters and sits down on it's his bed and Volker comes in and Volker says we don't have enough stasis pods uh, mm-hmm. some of them on the outside were damaged possibly before we even got here and we're about eight short mm-hmm. isn't that interesting though that there there are enough physical units for every member of the crew down to the last person don't you find that that, that is a little yeah, yeah, once we do fix them all, it's uh, it's pretty pretty exact. Down to the last person, I, I find that that li- I mean I know I'm being trivial, but I think that that's just a little wishful thinking. Yeah, well, I mean the the drama of the at least the second half of the episode, once we sort of get past the firefight with the command ships, mm-hmm. uh, the drama is we don't have enough space for everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is kind of kind of the, the the conceit that we have exactly the number of pods that we have people on this ship, apparently. Just yeah. the right number of people in the Lucian Alliance and the uh, uh, Icarus Space Expedition died to make this possible. Just yeah, the right yes. number. Just Which made me actually start thinking about, you know, divine intervention. You know, at this point, how, is there something <laughs> going on there, you know, that they knew? But at any rate, in order to fix these, we have to get a certain element, uh, which is common in uh, meteors. So we have to find a planet that has a substantial number of meteorite hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Lisa Park's plan to uh, use a shuttle as bait to lure uh, a command ship away from um, the, the planet. So they can both uh, get the personnel down to the planet with the Kino sl- sled to get the element, and also so that Destiny will not be put in harm's way again. Um, and we find out that you can remote pilot a shuttle. Yeah, they set up a little subspace link so they get uh, almost instantaneous telemetry, and Rush can can sort of pilot the shuttle remotely, even when they're not in the area. That's a cool sequence. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And and once again, we hit a home run, and we, we knock out another uh, another command ship. So. It's, it's, we come up with these crazy plans, and it just works. It just works perfectly, and we destroy the command ship, uh, and we get, get what we need. But, it's, again, it's the sort of thing that we can never do again. Mm-hmm. Um, we just lost one of our two shuttles. We only have one left again. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty desperate at this point. 
but we get the mineral that we need and off screen we fix the pods. Yep. Palladium hydride is what Is that what it was? Palladium hydride. Another interesting bit of the sequence that I liked was the fact that uh, the fact that there is a command ship here that we have to distract. Uh, Rush observes that the, the command ships don't know anything about humans, about about mm. what sort of atmosphere we need, about what we're looking for when we get to these planets. So there's this completely inhospitable planet with no atmosphere that's that's been heavily bombarded by meteorites. Mm-hmm. There's a command ship there, uh, just because they don't know anything about us. Yeah, they just know that we, you know, we use these gates. And then just backing up for a second to this idea of destiny. If it doesn't have enough power, it's going to drift until mm-hmm. it reaches the next galaxy. Uh, refresh my memory. Ha- do we know if Destiny has drifted between galaxies before? We've surmised that that's what has happened. And you can you can almost bet your money on it that sometimes the distance between the two galaxies is mm-hmm. um, is is too far. Because the, the her power cells don't charge to 100% anymore. So I right. bet in the last few legs it has drifted quite a bit. Right. So. As... Uh... As long as the ship has been going, it's it's been going for you know at least hundreds of thousands of years, based on mm-hmm. on Russia's uh, off the cuff dialogue. We surmise mm-hmm. it's been going for many many millions of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be a few millennia in there where it's just been drifting. Yeah, I mean that was that was the problem last time. You know, the the last time that we did this galaxy, there wouldn't be enough power for us to make it all the way to the other galaxy. And I forgot what they did specifically. Um, in order, in order to, to to make it, but Destiny was going to drift. In that case. Yeah, I think that was in Sabotage in season one, and, and that was when we brought on Amanda Perry. Amanda to Perry, just, just make the engines more efficient, mm-hmm. so that we could we could get to the other side. So off screen, like you say, we repair the pods, we get them to come online, and uh, so people start taking these trips back home. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, of character stuff to talk through here. Camille says goodbye to Sharon over the phone. She was in, Where was she, Brussels? Is that what she said? Yeah, she was in a conference in Brussels. She basically says goodbye to her partner. She lets her go. That's, uh, that's what we can infer by the end of this, is that you know she's given her permission to move on. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and we also get an update from Scott you know, and his family. He's been seeing his kid, you know, and he's been seeing her. Um, not seeing as in you know dating, but seeing as in checking in. Yeah, he's been visiting them apparently, and, and not uh, just leering at them from the car. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I mean, you get the you get the feeling that you know he wasn't he wasn't planning on. I, I got the feeling that he wasn't planning on missing them, but at the last minute he didn't get out of the car and say hello. Uh, he just let them go. He, he kind of chickened out. Um, yeah, I think so. But uh, we do see that. I don't know if they brought in the same actress. Did they bother to bring her in? Um, I haven't cross-checked the And the, the same actresses. little boy? Okay. Uh, the, the actress looked familiar. Yeah. So I would guess that it was her from, yeah. uh, from Life. Life, I think? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. This is, uh, I mean, it's not just that we're going into stasis, is it? Uh, Camille's not saying to Sharon, I'm not going to talk to you for another three years. She's saying, you need to move on with your life. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't wait for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I, I associate this less with going into stasis and more with the idea of fulfilling Destiny's mission. The fact yeah. that getting home is no longer Camille's first priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, you know, even when we wake up in three years in another galaxy, uh, the first priority is not getting home anymore. And Eli goes home. He, uh, we, we bring in Marianne Wallace for one more episode. This was something yeah. I wasn't expecting. What a delight to yeah. have that character come in, to, to see that character have a send-off. Yeah. Um, you know, even though that wasn't necessarily their intention. They bring her in. She's a substantial part of Eli's backstory. Um, and we get, to, we get to see that character for one last time. That was great. Yeah, this is definitely the most significant of the trips home. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the scene is the longest, for sure. Um, and he sits down at the kitchen table with his mom and, and explains what's going on. And, you know, three years is the best case scenario. Uh, and she, you know, they're in a great place. She wants to know that he's happy. And he's mm-hmm. able to tell her now for the first time, I think, even though I'm out here, you know, stuck on this ship and I'd rather not be, um, he's happy. He's, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and uh, that's that's a that's a great. She's letting him go, you know. She's 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 telling him you don't. I mean, I, now that I know where you are, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the Air He's Force I'm sure is still things. taking care of her. Yeah, exactly. So he can sort of hopefully let go of some of the guilt of not being there with her, especially mm-hmm. uh, with her medical condition. He wants mm-hmm. to be there to take care of his mom, and mm-hmm. she's giving him permission to go and live his life, just like Camille is to Sharon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what's going on. Uh, and we get a really short shot, I think, of Anna Galvin. They brought back for one little montage shot, Chloe saying goodbye to her mom. Was that who that was? I couldn't I see. Think so. Okay. Did you did you check the episode at the end to see if that was her? She's in the opening credits. Well then that's gotta be it then. So I bet that, deal... that was a deleted scene. That they just they just decided, okay, let's keep this little snippet in. Yeah, I actually it makes me wonder because she's she's actually in the opening credits. Um, either yeah. the office just got a great deal um, as far as her credit goes, or there was actually a scene that she shot. Yeah, and Lisa Park gets to to go back to Earth and see. Yeah, gets to see with eyes one last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was sad. That was that was sad. Yeah. Yeah, and then we already mentioned uh, Telford's sort of sort of goodbye with Everett. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Everett tells him that he's not going to go see Emily. Why open? No. Old why open old wounds? That's uh, that's ancient history, and it's it's again so much of this is a great bookmark with Air Part One, uh, mm-hmm. and and the way that the show started out uh, with Everett and and his wife, um, you know he says to Telford here, my marriage was ruined long ago, and it was my fault. Um, so, you know, in, in season one, there was that little arc where he tried to, to, to fix things. Mm. And this is, this is sort of, I think, closing the book on that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is you're not physically there anymore. You can't be. So what are you going to do about it, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, Eli and his mom and um, everything. There's just so many great little bookend moments, uh, especially as the episode ends. Uh, Joe Malazzi suggested that fans go and rewatch Air Part 1 before gauntlet or at least the first five minutes uh and definitely do that uh it's you'll you'll see that those closing shots of destiny oh they're identical powering down and the camera movements through the corridors of destiny as the different pieces shut down is is an exact mirror yeah it's just the stock footage in reverse which was perfect yeah and the music is the same we should talk about the music at some point 
the music is not the same. The the music is very similar, um, but it is not the same. The uh, when everyone's going into stasis, um, Joel has this beautiful piano montage. Yeah. Yeah. That plays twice. Uh, first, when, when the secondary characters are going into stasis and they're all saying goodbye to one another. And then when um, uh, after the, uh, the feast, mm-hmm. uh, the Last Supper. Um, but uh, I'd like to talk about that for a minute there. Mm-hmm. These the characters. Supper? Yeah. The, the main eight of the crew um, saying goodbye to one another, trying to get through some of the perishables before, mm. you know before they go into stasis because that stuff's not going to make it either everybody else has gone into stasis and I kind of wished that TJ would have given Varro at least a little peck on the cheek before he went into stasis you don't get that yeah you don't get that Um, but uh, uh, Young acknowledges that you know for better or for worse uh, we may not always like each other but we have become a family Mm -hmm. even even the crazy uncle has managed to come through for us (laughs) so it's a good scene. It's a good closing scene. It's a great bit of closure. And, uh, I mean, it really shows you that they're setting up a season three that is, is it's, it's going to move these characters forward because now they've reached the point where, you know, they're not desperate to get to Earth. They want to see out the mission. Mm-hmm. And they're not at each other's throats. There's not going to be another coup d'etat. They're family now. So those final moments, we uh, we put the rest of the main cast into stasis. The other five, right? And Eli and Rush and Young are the the last three to go in and get frozen, and then another crisis. Another crisis. We missed it. We put it online, and then it failed. One of the one person did not work. One person's gonna have to stay behind. And there's no way getting around it, you know. Life, you can't keep life support on for that one person. They mm-hmm. will die. Mm-hmm. They'll have to kill themselves or something, you know. Shut the, you have to shut the power off so to I get think, the ship through the void. I think that what we've given is, uh, what we are given is that we, whoever stays behind has about two weeks of life support. Mm-hmm. So to continue working on the problem. Keep working on the problem. Um, Eli is obviously the one who, who stays out in the end. Uh, he's got the know-how. If he can get the pod fixed, he's got two weeks to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you extend the life support longer than two weeks, you start to cut into the power that the ship needs to get across yeah. the void. Your only true hope is some kind of deus ex machina, which I think was was a potential weakness of if there had been a, a third season episode, you know, whether you know some technologically advanced... advanced uh, uh, descendants mm-hmm. come and rescue us or which would also eat up more power you know anything that you do on the ship really is going to eat up power so but mm-hmm. i guess we can speculate about that in a little bit um but uh, uh young basically tells him you know I, I don't trust rush i don't trust rush to 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 eliminate himself in uh, at the you know when at, at the end of two weeks when uh, if he hasn't figured out how to solve um, how to solve the problem with the life pod you know, I mean, he may not intend to continue to keep the life support on, but he may do that. He may chicken out. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't fix that within two weeks, you have to flip the switch. Yeah. That that shuts down life support. That will lead to your slow, presumably either freezing or death <laughs> by suffocation. But Eli's the one who says, "You know what? I've never been more sure about anything. I need to do this." He's very he's very at peace with himself. He says, "I'm not it's afraid." Asking. 
I'm not afraid to say this anymore. I'm smarter than he is. I'm if anyone has a chance of yeah. getting through this, it's me. And Young, you know, wants to be... He doesn't want Eli to sacrifice himself so that Young can live. But the fact of the matter is, if Young doesn't go in, it's a death sentence. He can't solve it. Eli has the ability to solve it. Yeah, and that's that's really the only reason that this plays out the way it does. Because Young is is an SGC officer. He's he's going to be operating with this yeah. value that we don't yeah. leave our people behind. Uh, and if anybody has to make a sacrifice, the commanding officer is going to do it. Yeah. Uh, the only reason this plays out the way it does is because Eli is, he's come into his own. He's grown mm-hmm. up in this episode and he is absolutely confident that he can do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were in Young's shoes, what I would have said was, okay, Eli, at the end of two weeks, if you haven't figured this out, I want you to wake me up and switch with me. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. that's not what happens. That's not what happens. You know, Eli Eli closes out the show, and it's mm-hmm. very appropriate, I think, because um, he's kind of like been the heart and soul of the series. You know, I know a lot of people yeah. may disagree with me on that, but you know, I think I think you can see that in this episode. He certainly has been. He's he's more than just the the voice of the audience, uh, the the sort of sci-fi geek kid who who knows the star wars references mm-hmm. um he's i think he is the heart of the show and so gauntlet is so satisfying emotionally as a finale because it brings eli to this point eli has sort of come full circle and mm-hmm. come to his own and he, he says that i'm done just sort of being in sitting the shadow. on the sidelines taking orders yeah yeah being in the shadow of rush and taking orders uh, when he knows now he's he's found that confidence that he can he can do it mm-hmm I mean, the, com- the comparison has been made by the, by the show's producers to Mozart and Salieri. And Rush mm. was never a Mozart. Rush was a Salieri. Rush was, was the guy who sort of ends up in the shadow of the true genius. Rush mm-hmm. is incredibly bright and incredibly intelligent. Uh, he's not a virtuoso. Eli is no. a virtuoso. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to him like it does to Eli. He's He's worked for everything that he's... That, that Rush has worked for everything that he's ever done, which is fine. But Eli, it, it just comes to him instinctively. So, I mean, you know, it's it's like comparing O'Neill and Shepard with ancient technology. You know, one gets it instinctively. Mm. One of the last scenes with Rush and Eli, uh, when when Rush goes to visit him, and they sort of have their last little out. Uh, <laughs> Rush says, "You've come a long way from that." video game slacker that I met a yeah. year ago. Yeah. And Eli says, you've been very Pretty consistent. consistent. <laughs> Young and Eli have a great send-off together as well. Yeah. Uh, Eli holds out his hand and, and Young hugs him. Yeah. Uh, and then Eli freezes him. That was, um, a, that was a great beat. That's very a good. beat that I'm going to remember for a long very time. Good. They've you reached know, a sort of a father-son relationship at this point, haven't they? He's very proud of that kid. He has gotten them out of a lot of situations. And um, yeah. Eli is, is the best hope for Eli at this point. So if anyone can save his life, it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he Young gets into the pod and puts his head down. And he's, it's, like he's, it's like he's ducking out of the, ducking out of the, out, off the stage. You know? And now Eli is the only one on the stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, like, it's like a sci-fi stage exit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Joel's music comes back in again, the beautiful piano medley. And uh, 
Eli starts powering down the systems. Yeah, we see the ship shutting down, and then that that beautiful last little beat with Eli standing on the observation deck. Uh, he's looking out the window, out ahead of Destiny in, in FTL, where we're going. And there's this... David Blue, I mean, come on. This, he plays it he's brilliantly. Been great. He plays it brilliantly. There's this moment of just sort of hope and peace, and then this it sort of cracks and wavers a little, and there's this sort of concern and maybe a little bit of self-doubt, and then it's just... I mean, Eli's at peace, I think. Mm. Either that or he figured out a way out. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, when I first saw this, and Eli is, is sort of walking slowly away from the pods, uh, and then I saw that he was standing on the observation deck doing nothing, not working on that pod, not trying to fix it, not making use of every second of his time, I thought for a second that he had given up that he never actually had any intention of fixing the pod and he was sacrificing himself. Hmm. I he's don't think that's I don't think he case. would do that. No. no. Because he's so confident in the scenes leading up to that. Um, he's, he's... I mean, the whole point is that he's come into his own uh, as, a, as a brilliant mind. And he's going to be able to figure this out. And Young finally gets that map. This is true. I don't know how quality of a sleep it's going to be in stasis. I think he's going to wake up still being tired because everything has been suspended. You know, your body yeah. hasn't had a chance to rest. Your body's yeah. been suspended. Wouldn't that suck? <laughs> right into another Should crisis. Oh, cry- shoot me. Cryogenic suspension for three years. The whole crew wakes up. We're in a new galaxy. There's stuff going on. The ship is on its last bit of power. And he just wants to take a nap. <laughs> That's how the show closes. You know, we see the ship riding off into space a lot like the the opening scene of the show when we see it we see it arrive yeah yeah and uh one of the things that that joe malazzi said he's been been blogging quite a bit about uh sort of post sgu and Mm -hmm. the season three that might have been uh since since gauntlet aired one of the things that he said was uh that last shot of destiny leaves us behind we the audience from the camera's pov we stay and destiny continues on down the trail in ftl and that's that's sort of a fitting end mm-hmm. their story goes on even if we don't get to see it we just have to imagine imagine well let's imagine i don't think that this is going to be a, a spoilery conversation because the show is not going to get made <laughs> uh, movie is not going to get made but um uh it's it's interesting to look at some of the scenarios as to how they might have resolved this the one thing that I was thinking of was that that was the most likely was that uh, Eli would have found a way to take uh, Perry and Gin out of protective memory, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think he was able to do, but uh, he may have devised a way to do that. And Gin, being the technical mind, would have probably been the, the one to advise him on how to physically fix this thing or to come up with an alternative. Um, that was that was the one that I was going for. That would have been nice. Um, now I assume that if you're if you're pulling them out of stasis and having the systems activated, it is taking power that allow them to manifest themselves to you. Then it is taking power. So maybe he loses some of his two weeks. But yeah, right, it's, exactly. It's basically a couple of brilliant science consultants. You don't need two weeks. Yeah, to you could probably get it done in a couple of days. 
So, yeah. I mean, they are destiny. They are plugged into those 1,700 pages of text on the on the. This is experience. true. Yeah. If if Eli had to go and spend a couple of his days doing research, it might have been to his advantage to have have Amanda and Gin mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so the writers have said that that they did not have a solution planned. They talked about some options, but they didn't know uh, at this point when the show ended which way they were going to go. And some of the other ideas would have been, um, it's kind of obvious that, okay, Eli fixed it in two weeks and everybody's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other interesting ideas were he couldn't fix the pod, uh, and so what he did is he he isolated some, some uh, life support in one of the shuttles and the little docking area next to the shuttle. So he basically loads it with food and supplies uh, outside the, the shuttle, and and then he he lives for three years by himself in the shuttle, <laughs> which would change him psychologically. Yeah. yeah. So then Eli's in a in quite a funky place, uh, basically not having slept the three years with mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the shuttle probably has its own internal power supply, so it could potentially, you know, keep him alive, sustain mm-hmm. him, and and scrub the air for mm-hmm. uh, for that period of time. Another it's idea, a stretch, but probably. Yep. Another idea was that, uh, again, this is a power supply issue. I think maybe prevents this from happening. But but uh, if Eli can't fix the pod, then he goes and he sits in the chair and he uploads his consciousness to the computer. Mm-hmm. So when they come out of stasis, the rest of the crew finds his body dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Eli's mind is still around. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's possible that uh, you know his body isn't there anymore. We don't really know how that works. Um I, I bet it takes his body as well. I, I bet it's like Franklin. Well, Franklin, yeah, he got he got yeah. beamed up. Interesting thing about that. I mean, we we left season two with Gin and Perry, and uh, Eli was talking to Gin about the possibility of maybe we could find some way of getting you a body again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it would have been interesting to start season three with that mm-hmm. and uh, find some resolution that not only gets Eli out from the computer, uh, but but Gin and Perry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know he gets to live three years, which in computer world is is basically infinity with Gin, the girl that he loves, and uh, probably is going to be driven crazy after the first eon or so. Oh, it's not a terrible way to go. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, then you can advance their relationship without having Julie McNiven come back on the show. Well, I mean, yeah, but the computer shut down, so yeah, that I think mind. that's right. I think that's right. The computer is, is is probably basically running in safe mode right now. Yeah, it's got safe these, mode. <laughs> it's got very basic... Firewalls. Uh, yeah. You know, once you get to that galaxy and detect Stargate, then please wake us all up. That's basically... Exactly. It. That's something that they don't talk about, is that the system is going to have to automatically wake them up. Mm-hmm. Um, they, don't, they don't go near that. But that's yeah. basically what you assume. And then the last idea that I can remember right now was uh, the, the Descendants... These, these people that we met in Common Ground and Epilogue from the planet Novus, uh, there's an idea that, that some of them are really technologically advanced uh, and have ships that can actually travel in between galaxies so that in Season 3 they would have introduced a military force of our descendants that are humans uh, and those guys would have shown up in ships and, and, you know, rescued us or towed us to the next galaxy or something. And see, and that's the real deus ex machina. Continue to be an ongoing presence in the theater. Yeah. Oh, I remember what the other one was. The other one was uh, Earth. I mean, Earth is out there. They know how to dial destiny. 
if we can convince Langara, uh, which was discussed briefly with Telford in this episode, if we can convince Langara to let us dial destiny, then uh, if Earth can find a super duper power source, then then we can bring like, you know, the mega ZPM onto destiny and uh, find and a way to power, power the ship. Things. Yeah, they never talk about interfacing a ZPM with uh, with destiny. Yeah, it's just something they didn't want to go near. Well, we never really had the opportunity to bring one aboard. Well, you know what I loved about about this episode as I as I thought about it, rewatching it. Um, one of our complaints, maybe I'll just speak for myself. One of my complaints uh, about Atlantis, especially in the last few years, was uh, you not just Atlantis actually, the late the later years of SG One as well. If the team got into trouble, then really all that the writers had to do was throw McKay at it or throw Carter. Yeah. Put 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 this the brilliant scientist in the room with the problem, and then the next scene you could say, okay, we fixed it. We moved on to the next problem. Mm-hmm. They were they were a storytelling tool, you know, to get through a situation. Yeah, and so I think Gauntlet, I think Gauntlet brought clever back because all these problems keep coming up, keep throwing new problems at at our at our crew, and they have to be clever to figure it out they have to they have to come up with crazy ideas like let's use our shuttle to distract the command ship so that we can gate to this planet and get this mineral and fix the pod um the mm-hmm. characters really have to think their way out of these problems mm-hmm. yeah and there's a certain amount of you know eli does calculations eli does this rush does that sure. but the, in terms of the broader broader scope you have to be savvy it's time for quibbles the stasis pods, they look like they could fit two or three people. The cavities in each of the pods are very deep. They're very deep. Um, I didn't notice yeah. that. Scott and Chloe could have been in, in one pod. Um, Man, it's waiting to happen. Yeah. There's not just, I mean, it's not just like a, a bed that they lean against, you know, sideways. They, they stand in those alcoves, and there's a lot of room in each of them. So they, uh, they, didn't, seem to, they didn't seem to acknowledge that in the episode. Like only one person could be held in one pod. Yeah, presumably there's all sorts of fancy computer programs going on where it's monitoring your vital systems, etc. And that but that's the thing. Not the whole... programmed to handle, you know, monitoring wow. two hearts and two brains. That's that's what I thought of too. And then I realized that you know, Destiny can be out of power, you know, at some point in this journey, and we may wake up in a thousand years. Which seems to me that it doesn't. The the computers don't need to be monitoring the stasis pods, because mm. um, otherwise we wouldn't make it those thousand years. And if that's the case, then they could fit more than one person in those pods. Yeah, maybe they're, they're just, just they're just deep freezing you and turning you off. Yeah. So that that was kind of a weakness. I mean, they're be- the the shame of that is they're beautifully designed pods. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of money into that set. They're gorgeous, and it's just sad that. You know, yeah, um, and I love the the flicking on the blue light, and then the the glass sort of crystallizes mm-hmm. the ice. Uh, mm-hmm. The same the same effect on the ancient ancient uh, cryostasis units, going all the way back to Lost City Part Two. Beginning of the episode, uh, Rush and the scientists are talking about attenuating the, the shields, fine tuning them to the frequencies that the drone weapons use, and they observe to Colonel Young when they're explaining this that all other forms of attack are it, it will be as if we have no shields at all uh, so Volker says so if they throw scissors in rock paper scissors then they're going to get us every time 
Um, so I, I kind of feel like they should have seen this coming, that the drones yeah. would find another way to attack us. Keep your finger ready to, to switch over and, and start remodulating again. Yeah, so it's not just that they should have seen it coming, but they actually did see it coming, and they decided to go ahead with the plan anyway. Uh, that's a minor quibble, though. Well, also, you know, this the episode makes you assume that the drones were able to recognize what was happening, that the shields were not failing on Destiny, and change their strategy, which means they had to have been moder- monitoring Destiny's vitals. Oh, we're not getting through. We're going to have to change the frequency. Or we're going to have to try something else. Yeah, I mean, you're fighting the Borg. You just... Mm-hmm. If the Enterprise has your, your frequency, then you just change your frequency. Mm-hmm. One of the things that threw me a little bit was the fact that all this... Uh, we bring back the, the Palladium Hydride, and the next scene, the pods are fixed. Mm-hmm. So presumably what we are, are led to believe is that Destiny has the facilities to take these rocks and smelt the Palladium Hydride mm-hmm. out of them and then hammer out the pieces, manufacture parts that we need for an advanced piece of technology. Mm-hmm. It's a bit far-fetched. I understand that they didn't want to dwell on that because uh, it's, it's yeah. not important to the story. Well, what it does, what the whole Palladium Hydride thing does is it adds about eight minutes of plot to that episode, mm. which they could have, in my opinion, excised put the other five people away in that last chamber and then got into the whole we have one pod that isn't working. And they could have devoted those minutes to more character development and character resolution. But what the, what the Palladium Hydride is is that you know it eats up about eight minutes of the episode, or seven. Well, it's uh, a great sequence. It. it is a good sequence. I mean, we, we lose a shuttle and you know we get to see a, a barren planet you know, through the Kino and you know, yeah. Lisa Park gets to, gets to offer an idea. So, I mean, she gets to prove herself despite the fact that she's blind. And so, we get to go through the gate one more time. We do. We That's do. our last trip through the Stargate. Yeah, the foreseeable future, and it definitely looked like you know they were they were given the Stargate its due in terms of in terms of some shots. So that was great. Yeah, and being a being a part of the story as well. Mm-hmm. Camille, uh, do you think she's earned enough enough uh, status, enough respect at this point in her job that, yeah. that maybe Odyssey can can do her a favor and beam her to Brussels? <laughs> We've well, seen before where our guys are on Earth and one of our ships in orbit just beams them up with an Asgard transporter and then beams them back down. I don't think the ships are patrolling Earth right now. I, I don't get that impression. You know, in um, in uh, uh, the episode where you know we visit the Pentagon and the Pentagon gets attacked, there's no indication that there is a ship patrolling Earth. So. Yeah, I still think there has to be. I mean, without the ancient weapons platform from Antarctica... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, the planet would be defenseless, and we do have yeah. active enemies in the Lucian Alliance who are threatening You're to right. attack us. You're right. I'm not arguing. You're right. Yeah, I understand that. You know, some pencil pusher up top just said, "Nah, we're not going to use our resources so Camille can mm-hmm. say goodbye to her spouse in in person." Last quibble I have to talk about is maybe the most significant one, which is is the question of the distance between where we are and where we have to get. And Eli talks about actually leaving this galaxy and going out around it and then mm-hmm. crossing the void to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder, can't we stay in FTL in this galaxy and have the trip shorter? We just don't make any stops. That is definitely a fair point. That is definitely a fair point. I mean, what difference does it make whether you go out and around the galaxy or not? I mean, if you're not going to leave FTL. 
And the only thing that I can think of is that, you know, Destiny, if it was in the galaxy, would be somehow inclined to continue to make stops. But if you, yeah, if exactly. you set a course That's what into I the Destiny, the, the ship is not going to override it anymore. That's what I wonder is if everybody's asleep, if Destiny's going to run out of juice and start making stops again. Just because it's flying on automatic. That's that's got to be it. If it doesn't if it doesn't make it, and it runs out of juice, it's going to lead itself right into a trap and uh, and and recharge in a star that is not safe. Yeah. Um. But I'll buy that. It, the but the thing is the distance between the two galaxies is far more extreme than the than the previous um, gap between the galaxies. So, I mean, who who knows how long. My, what I'm saying is, if it would run out of juice anywhere, it would run out of juice in the void. Um, it's, it's. I, I have to assume that it has enough power to make it through that galaxy before it runs out of energy. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, presumably, if the ship, if we weren't on board and the ship was flying on automatic, then it would detect the void is coming up and it would make one last stop on the edge of the galaxy to power mm-hmm. up as much as it could. Mm-hmm. But if you've already programmed it not to do that, shouldn't it not do that? I would think so. I mean, we have yeah. enough control over the ship where, where Eli talks about programming a super long FTL jump. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that I can think of is that he's concerned that the ship may come under attack uh, in the galaxy. Wow, it's an we, FTL? We know that uh, the blue aliens can detach mm. their ships uh, from Destiny while it's an FTL. It's reasonable mm-hmm. to assume that they could uh, they could... Find catch Destiny up. and catch up and attach the, one of their ships to Destiny while it's an FTL. If we're outside of the galaxy, they're not going to be able to find us. Yeah, that makes sense. They're not it's tracking just, us uh, anymore. More secure yeah. to not be in a galaxy. Listener mail. Well, we have a whole lot of listener mail to get to. Uh, we'll play a few and then we'll talk about them and then we'll play a few more. Uh, lots of people want to weigh in on Gauntlet. Hello, Gate World. This is Devin from Las Vegas and the Sharkbone Podcast. Just giving you a quick call about the end of Season 2 of Stargate Universe. I am very sad to see it go, but I think with everything taken into account, this ending is probably the best we could have expected to get. Uh, All of the questions that we thought, well, that I thought were going to be resolved in Season 2 were pretty much resolved. And there are still a few large questions that we have. We don't have answers to. We we don't know what destiny we'll find at the end of the mission. But you know, for something like this, I don't think we even want to know. It's the journey that's interesting, and the stories that are told while we are in search of that answer. Uh, also, we we don't know if we're going to find the uh, the remaining colonists from Novus. So I think that having Stargate Universe end the way it did is probably the best, all things uh, all things considered. There are so many more stories that can be told, either in novel form or in comic books or whatever they decide to do to continue from here. Personally, I'm a big uh, tabletop gamer, and I would love to see another Stargate role-playing game. But anyway, uh, I love your podcast. Uh, it's, it's a great show. I always enjoy having a new episode of it come out in uh, my iTunes, and uh, I'm hoping that... Even with Stargate Universe ending and new Stargate stopping, I'm hoping that you guys will continue with the discussion. Yeah, I just want to give my consensus on the ending Stargate. I think it was sad. 
I really enjoyed it. My whole family enjoyed it. Uh, in the beginning, I'm going to say maybe it was a little hard to get used to, but as the seemed to get better the farther along I got, the last several episodes were by far the best. If they could at least ended it with the, with the cast getting home, you know, if that's what they were going to do, instead of leaving it hanging like it is, um, I think it's a very good show. Uh, I don't believe the ratings were 100% accurate. Maybe they were, but... It's sad. Hopefully somebody with a little common sense will pick it up by another network or something and carry on. Hey, guys, this is Nick from Westlake. I just want to say thank you uh, for the show. I've been enjoying it for quite a while. Actually, GateWorld has been a regular and subscribed piece of my iPod. I wanted to comment real quick on uh, the ending of SGU, the series finale, not actually that it ended. I just want to say I thought that if it's going to go out, before it wants to go out, I thought that the pods, I thought that was a fantastic idea. Because if anyone actually picks it up, anyone at all, syndication, whatever, I don't know, whatever you guys were talking about before, if anyone can pick it up, no matter the delay, there's your three years. There's your three years right there, and it's kind of explainable. Nothing has happened, you know why? Because they were in, they were in cryo-freeze. I think it actually gives it more of an opportunity to come back, but that's just me. Uh, thanks again, guys, for all that you're doing. Keep it up, even without the show. <laughs> um, and actually, if you guys did that commentary or something even along the lines of like that Gamma Quadrant show, uh, where they kind of just review episodes individually, like, yeah, we watched this one. This is what we thought about it. This is what we didn't like. This is what we did like. This is what it leads into kind of thing. That'd be great. I'm Billy, and I'm calling from South Carolina. And I'm calling right after watching the series finale of Stargate Universe. All in all, it was a good episode. Sad to see it go. Wish that it could be, have been continued or finished in some way. But I'm calling because I have two questions. My first question is a question about the uh, episode, and my second question is kind of a quibble. Um, the first question is, what did we do with those refugees that we took up from the from an earlier episode? Um, uh, our descendants. Um, I know we picked them up on Destiny and let them ride along with us till we dropped them off at their new homeworld, but I don't remember ever them ever mentioning what we did with them. My second question is. How come when Destiny drops out of FTL or when we're on another planet, we can't diode any gate in the galaxy? Because if I remember correctly from Stargate SG-1, you can dial any gate in the galaxy as long as you have the coordinates and the calculations for space planetary drift. Hello, this is Mark from Metro Detroit. And I just finished watching Gauntlet, the final episode of Stargate Universe. And first of all, I've got one big quibble. Now, you're probably, uh, probably going to have this quibble. You're probably going to have this quibble. Everyone's probably going to have this quibble. There was one pod, the exact number, and one pod broke, and so one person got left out. I understand what they were going for, and what they were going for was an amazing story. It was an amazing idea of how to finish off the series, but with the huge potential of continuing it another season. But that was just my big quibble. But I love the episode. I, I think it, 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 it's good. It was a good episode. Also, 
the face is hot being used now and not being used before is another little quibble. And the final little quibble I have is the fact that it's just another big one. Is the fact that we don't even get a mention of any of those su surviving people from that uh, from the alien planet that were our descendants, and they have to still be on that ship. We never went to their planet, and if we did go to their planet, why didn't we see it? Why didn't why wasn't that a story arc? And we obviously didn't go there because last week they were on the ship, and I don't think we left them behind to die. So, other than that, it's a great episode, great finale, and. I cannot wait to restart watching Stargate SU-1 through SGU in your marathon run, and I will definitely be there the whole way with you guys. Billy and Mark have uh, uh, an, interesting, uh, an interesting question, and it's answered with a brief line of dialogue from Eli in uh, really briefly. The, the episode uh, Blockade, where Eli, where Eli says, you know, I wish that they were still aboard. You know, it was, it was nice to have them aboard. Nice to have some different people. Um, I think he's with Rush, isn't he? Yeah, we talked about this at the top of our blockade show last week. Which they uh, dropped them off. Which is basically it. Yeah, Billy and Mark had not heard that show. Obviously, uh, when they called in, it hadn't been published yet. So there's just this little line of dialogue that, that points to the fact that we dropped them off. Uh, Billy also asks, why can't we dial any gate in the galaxy when Destiny drops out of FTL? These gates are 1.0, and there is a range. There's a power issue with, um, with, with these gates. What I think it really comes down to is, you know, Destiny's overall power reserves. You have to have a certain amount of, of overall energy in order to reach yeah. out to gates. And I think that that's what's happening, is that, uh, you know, her power reserves are, I mean, it can only charge up to, what, 33% now? And that's just not a total enough amount. I'm not saying that it'll use all of that juice in one shot in dialing a gate. It needs to have a certain overall amount of power, and it simply doesn't have the capability of dialing that far anymore. Yeah. What we're used to from, from SG-1 especially is any gate in the entire Milky Way galaxy we can dial, and it all seems mm -hmm. to be pretty equal. I mean, it's not, mm -hmm. as far as we know, it doesn't take us any more juice to dial to the opposite end of our galaxy as to someone relatively close in the neighborhood of Earth, like Abydos. The um, only pr problem is when we're on planets, you know, those planets can't uh, dial destiny outside of range. You know, the, the planets seem to have a, an identical radius of, of, of reaching other stargates. So I think it really is just a, a you know, these gates are 1.0. Yeah, I think that's you know, right. They can't dial beyond a certain distance, but they can, they can accept collect calls from other galaxies like, like Milky Way. So that's probably yeah. what it is. And I would guess that it is a power issue. I would guess that when the ancients developed the next stage of stargates, um, maybe the next stage was the red chevron stargates in the Milky Way galaxy, that they're, I mean, they're just better. They, they can reach farther, and maybe they don't have this sort of same power requirement where you have mm -hmm. to have more power in order mm -hmm. to get to a planet that's farther away. It's like jumping stones on a pond. There's no other way to do it with the 1.0 gates. And Mark makes a good point. Um, exactly one pod didn't work, so just enough to create drama. Yeah, exactly. I think it's fair enough. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, that, that one suspension of disbelief that you need for the episode to work. Hello, I am Mark from Washington, and I'm calling about the last episode of Stargate ever. May 9th was actually my birthday, so it all under my birthday, which I think is actually quite interesting because I started watching it exactly, almost exactly two years ago, uh, a couple of years before my birthday, because I remember getting 
all the seasons for my 15th birthday. And I thought that was really great. And actually calling about Gauntlet, and I think it was actually a good end to the series. They kept making it out to be this big cliffhanger that we wouldn't like from, like, season one, where everyone was going to die. And, oh, hey, that's the end. But I thought this end was actually quite different than other cliffhangers because it worked as a series ending thing as well. It made me feel like there could be more to the series three years from now or something, even though highly unlikely. But it would have been weird if they had a season three because Stargate's never gone off the whole real-time thing. If they would just suddenly be three years in the future, it would be weird. Yeah, I don't think I really, really don't like it. I mean, who knows, right? Hi, my name is Brant, and I'm calling from Washington, and um, I would just like to say that I thought that the Indian Gauntlet was very good, and I, I'm a little sad that it's the end of the uh, Stargate franchise, but hopefully someone will bring it back. Um, and also, um, a while ago, I, st- I started watching Stargate SG-1, and then I kind of died off, but a friend of mine, Mark, he showed me SGA, and ever since then, I've been watching Stargate faithfully. Hi, I'm Darren Van Buren from Maple Valley, Washington. I liked Gauntlet. It's a nice, open way to end Stargate Universe, so that if someone decides, let's bring this awesome thing back, they can, and it's not like they have to do some crazy things that make it be able to happen. So I really like that about the ending. So um, I was introduced to Stargate by my friend Mark. I watched the first Stargate movie, and then I went on to watch SG-1, and then Atlantis and SG-1 concurrently, according to how it was broadcast, and then eventually watched Universe, and I've just loved Stargate. It's been probably one of my favorite TV series all of the three series, just my favorites, so, yeah. And I think it's cool that there's a huge community of people who want to still keep it alive. Hi, this is Anthony from New Jersey. I just finished watching Gauntlet, and I was surprisingly happy with the episode. With all this talk about how the episode was going to be a big cliffhanger, I thought there was going to be a battle at the end where Destiny was about to be destroyed, and then the episode ended or Telfer was going to dial into the Destiny with a brand new team and take over the ship. I think those endings would have been a lot worse than what happened in Gauntlet. True, there was no resolution to the story, but it was really a bittersweet ending to the show. Um, I felt like it was almost similar to Enemy at the Gates. Everything felt really rushed. And um, I I'm I'm wanted to make one prediction of what would have come afterwards. I think Eli was going to fail fixing the last stasis pod and end up uploading himself to Destiny's computer. I say this because every time in Stargate shows they introduce or mention a technology, leave it alone and then bring it back for a bigger purpose. Just like the stasis pods were introduced in an episode, early episode, and not brought up until a later episode, meaning Gauntlet, um, and played a bigger part in the show. I think the same can be said with the uploading of Gannon and Amanda Perry. They uploaded them, they put them in isolation and never spoke of them again ever since that last episode that they were in. I think that was a hint of a bigger point in the show, and I think what would happen in the season premiere of season three, if it would have happened, would be that the crew would wake up, 
think that the destiny is seemingly deserted, and then find Eli dead with his consciousness in the computer later on in the episode. Uh, I wanted to know what you guys thought of that. Hi, this is Ozzy from Chicago. I want to talk about the um, series finale of uh, SGU Gauntlet. I thought the idea of bypassing the uh, the main uh, drone um, ships and uh, just jumping out of the whole um, galaxy um, was pretty uh, poor in terms of a plot device. It's an easy way out. You don't have to come up with it. You don't have to actually solve anything. Um, and not to mention the fact that if we're really doing the three years, it's kind of like when um, Battlestar Galactica arrived at, Cap- at New Caprica, and then we have a six months later, we have a, you know one year later um, to start off the season, uh, which didn't really work so well. Um, but as a series finale, I just thought it was very nice that they all got their closure, uh, but it didn't tell us anything. There was no um, true resolution to anything, either the storyline or the um, or what you know what in general was going on. Uh, furthermore, we basically have established that they have limited power, and how exactly they're going to make a jump in FTL, which will take three years. Um, when it seems like they can't make a jump that lasts, you know, they, they, they can't go a couple of weeks in FTL even um, without having to recharge. Well, these are my thoughts. Um, I hope that we get some sort of uh, resolution to the plot line, be it in um, a book format or in at least a, um, the notes from the writers about what they would have done in the future um, to solve up the problems, or even if it's just a you know, official statement from the uh, Stargate people. I, I have to say to Avi that, you know, BSG's one-year jump not working so well, that's an opinion. I loved it. Um, sure. I, I it was, loved it. it. I thought it startling. added a great deal of drama. Yeah, and then they got to fill in the, the story backwards. I, I made the same sort of connection in my mind when I thought about them skipping three years. I did, too. Yeah. to you. Um, I kind of like the idea in this case. It bugged me, frankly, in Battlestar. Uh, I think that the really way they, the way they paid it off when they started season three with the whole exodus from the planet, I thought was mm-hmm. epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was really worth it. And it had been sixteen months at that point. Yeah, I think it's it's really intriguing because on SGU the characters have reached this point where it's it's sort of full circle. A lot of them have said their goodbyes to people back home. Mm. Eli is coming to his own. They're treating each other like family now. Um, Mm -hmm. It would have been really interesting, I think, to take it three years into the future. Uh, And all those relationships back on Earth are are potentially different now. Mm -hmm. Uh, This would have been the first time in the Stargate universe where we did that kind of a jump in terms of the timeline, where they basically would have been ahead of us in the timeline. And we we would have been watching things from 2014, 2015. Really, I think that if you keep Eli out of stasis for those three years, it will give you ten new story ideas, uh, things that, that went on with him while he was, was out. Don't talk uh, about bottle episodes. He couldn't do that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's just his personality. Maybe it's the fact that he's a little bit more uh, cranky. A little bit Welcome more to the Eli show. A little bit more crazy. And yeah, he's just recording Kino mm-hmm. videos for three years. Hey guys, it's Nathaniel in Atlanta. Just saw the finale it aired tonight, and I'm uh, proud to say as a Stargate fan that I have 
seen every single series finale live. Um, very proud of that fact. Um, and I'm one of those, you know, people who actually watch the show live when I can. Don't have cable now, but I do have places where I can go that have cable. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say to the world and to whoever's listening, you know, it was a great run. Um, and what a uh, great ending, um, as best as it could be, considering it was written before they knew they were canceled, it actually is quite opportune if MGM, you know, makes up their mind within the next three years, the timeline will match up. That's awesome. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, this is kind of rambly. I, like I said, I just watched it tonight, but I wanted to get a few words in and just say that I will miss having a new Stargate every week and hope that MGM comes up with something soon to bring back the franchise. Hello, Darren and David. This is Ben from Seattle. My friend Mark uh, called in a little while ago and thought I'd call in with my own thoughts. I just finished uh, watching Gauntlet, the finale of SGU. I was actually not really sure what to expect. Blockade set up what would be a really good uh, season finale. Um, and I wasn't really sure how they were going to wrap it up for the end of the entire series run. I think they actually did an incredibly good job of it with all the goodbye scenes and the great music that Joel Goldsmith used. Um, I certainly hope that SGU and Stargate is going to be able to continue at some point in the coming years. Um, I'll continue listening to the podcast and, and hopefully call in during the rewatch that you guys are planning. Hey, Darren and David. This is Jeremy again from Michigan. Uh, I just saw the last episode of Stargate Universe, and I wanted to say I loved it. Um, it's actually made me feel a lot better about the cancellation. I mean, we got some great action with the drones, and we had a nice scene at the dinner table with Young's whole speech about how they're all family now. And, you know, I'm still really upset that Stargate is done because I think Universe was on its way to probably being the best show in the franchise. But, uh, you know, I think we definitely got a better ending than I thought we would. You know, in a way, um, actually, I think it's a fitting end for Stargate. You know, with them going into stasis for three years and, you know, that meaningful look on Eli's face at the end, it, it sends a message that, you know, the journey is never over. Whether it's in the Milky Way or the Pegasus Galaxy or out across the universe, Stargate will go on and the adventures will go on, you know, whether we see them or not. And, you know, I think that's what Stargate has always been. You know, there is no end. And who knows, in three years, Stargate might be ready to make its comeback, and we may get to see that movie someday. This is Bobby from near Seattle. I hardly know where to start, so I'll settle for the end. Gauntlet is a farewell on three levels. First, the characters are saying goodbye to one another. They are going to sleep. They don't know if they'll wake up. If they do, they don't know when that will be, where it will be, what state the ship will be in, even if they won't say it out loud, they go to sleep assuming that they are saying goodbye to one another and to their lives, their literal lives, for the final time. Second, the actors are saying goodbye to one another. I follow many of them on Twitter and know that they have formed a strong family bond these past two years. As they filmed this episode, they knew that their series was canceled. Maybe I'm taking my knowledge too far and projecting something that the actors didn't intend, but I don't think so. I think we are watching a final family reunion that happened to be filmed while the actors were at work. Third, everyone in the show is saying goodbye to us, the viewers. In my comments for Epilogue, I noted that the episode invited us in as a third participant in the story. 
I feel that more strongly here, for now the actors as actors, plus the writers, producers, composers, and others, are inviting us into their family and into their goodbye. One more thought on the music. The series premiere, Air, immediately starts with main title music that I haven't heard on any other episode. It brilliantly underscores a curtain opening to unveil Act 1, Scene 1. And now we have the score to attend that curtain closing. The opening of Air is full of portent, wonder, discovery, the music of birth. The closing of Gauntlet is the music of prayer and elegy. Young's head bow in stasis, Eli's simultaneous thrill and fear at the very end, Park's rejuvenation, I could say so much more, but I'll stop here. I shall miss this show and miss feeling this show more than I had ever believed possible. Well, thanks, everybody, for your voicemail, uh, and thanks for following along this journey with us, uh, Destiny's journey, uh, over two years, over 40 episodes. It's been a lot of fun, and we have, uh, again, we have more podcasting to do. We have more SGU to talk about over the next couple shows. So uh, coming up in episode number 128, again, we're going to do a recap of season two of SGU. So we'll talk about everything from Intervention to Gauntlet and sort of the whole storyline of Season 2, where the show went, uh, how it made improvements over Season 1. And then the show that I'm looking forward to, I uh, really want to get Diana Botsford back for our mm-hmm. SGU Deconstructed, number 129. You do not want to miss this show. We're going to talk about Stargate Universe, what we think worked, what we think didn't work, what we wish they would have done differently. We basically pull the show apart and dissect it piece by piece. Yeah. It's all going to fly. And then in show number 130, again, we're having a hard time keeping up with the voicemail because you guys are, are <laughs> such great stuff week in and week out. If you haven't heard your voicemail yet, it's probably coming up in, a, in an upcoming show. Um, episode number 130 of the podcast, we're going to have an open line night and mm-hmm. uh, burn through the rest of our voicemail that we have backlogged at that point. Uh, and also, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, SGU or, or Stargate-related or... or I don't know. Does anybody out there want to talk about some science fiction other than Stargate for a few minutes? Uh, mm-hmm. Just give us a call on the podcast hotline and uh, give us a topic. That number is 951-262-1647. Uh, you can also email in a brief audio uh, recording to webmaster at gateworld.net, MP3 format preferred. And you can always uh, chat it up in the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld Forum. I've, I've been uh, reading the feedback thread. Lately, it's gotten it's interesting been, the last couple of weeks. It's gotten kind of interesting, you know. I mean, you want to weigh in on any of that here? Well, all I'll say is that, um, you know, you, this is our 127th show, 128th if you can include the Star Trek episode, and um, it's 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 funny to read uh, comments from someone who has supposedly uh, listened to you for 127 episodes. And still doesn't know a thing about you or your beliefs. <laughs> mm. Potentially begrudges you from uh, saying. Yeah, anything. yeah, yeah. Based on, I mean, some. I mean, you, you can listen to someone for for 127 podcasts and not know them at all. Mm. So whatever, you know. I'm not ashamed of my opinion, and uh, you know, this is. I think I think you responded very eloquently. You know, this is. Uh, this is not a politically correct show. This is two two friends talking, and that's all it is. If you want to listen, awesome. If you don't want to listen, do your own show. 
and um, <laughs> and I will and I will uh, try your show your show out too. I will I will mm-hmm. listen to it. So well, what I said on the on the thread was that um, the moment we start to to feel like we have to censor ourselves, it's work. It's, then it becomes work, and it yeah, becomes a chore. Yeah, and then it stops. And it's not fun anymore. <laughs> and frankly, you and I have had a lot of conversations uh, off the record when we're not recording that are, I think, pretty interesting stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily Stargate related at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, it kind of feels like the podcast is okay. Let's start recording now. And yeah, and we're exactly. Just we have we we generally go on uh, sometimes an hour and a half. Uh, when you when you total the time together in pre-show and post-show, uh, mm. where we really let the fur or fly, <laughs> or more. Yeah. Sure. When Lost was airing, man, we used to go on four <laughs> or five hours sure. after the show because we would talk about Stargate Atlantis, which you know was interesting, or in, in my opinion, sometimes not so interesting. And then we would talk for four or five hours about the latest episode of Lost or wherever that was I was in the show. That was brilliant because you were a couple of seasons behind, and so exactly. I needed like two years worth right. of mythology. Right. Yeah, but um, but really, just uh, thank you to all of those uh, who who have uh, who have tuned in and and who have who have shared their comments. You know, especially the ones that are different from ours in the voicemail that's what it's for Uh, we play virtually everything so if you disagree with us that's where you need to come in and set us straight that's why that's there yeah it is our show and it is a couple of guys talking but at the same time we feel very strongly that the gate world is a place for all stargate fans to have their voice heard Mm -hmm. this is a platform so you don't have to like all incarnations of the show just because we do you know you don't have to like them in a certain sequence because we like them in a certain sequence that's not what it's about and frankly that's kind of boring it's a nice note to end the show on well thanks to everybody for tuning in uh for contributing to the show for making the show what it is uh we appreciate everybody who's listening out there and we're going to come back next week and we're going to do it again we're going to talk more sgu um thanks to russell for editing this week's show uh give us a call on the podcast hotline send in uh, a recording if you don't want to call the hotline and check out the show notes page for episode number 127 gauntlet gauntlet what a ride now it's over it's been a great ride and there's lots more to talk about it's over with protest but hey with protest from gate world this is darren this is david and we'll see you back next time for more of the gate world podcast good night everyone